in a previous episode, actually the very first episode of the Macabre Museum season, we explored Bigfoot museums. Today, we're going in search of where monsters roam, including other cryptids, mermaids, leprechauns, and monsters made famous by horror movies. Well, we're going in search of museums where monsters roam free in our imaginations, at least. So let's get the roaming started. Hello, fellow restless spirit and intrepid traveler. Whether you're a newbie or a frequent flyer, thanks so much for sailing the airways with me. I'm really excited that you tuned in to listen. My name is Courtney Maroc, and I'll be your host and guide for this episode where we explore monster museums around the world. But what is a monster? The Oxford Languages Dictionary defines a monster as an imaginary creature that is typically large, ugly, and frightening. I think that pretty much sums it up. But it's also what makes monsters so fascinating, right? Their frightening aspect, but also the fact that they may not be imaginary at all. They may actually be real. Like... Nessie the Loch Ness Monster, for instance. Since I brought her up, let's start out by visiting the Loch Ness Centre and Exhibition in Inverness, Scotland. It doesn't just feature the area's most famous sea monster, but, as they put it on their website, provides insight into the loch's wider significance whilst keeping the mystery centre stage. But Scotland isn't the only region with a sea monster, or I should say a museum dedicated to highlighting the area sea monster. According to Visit West Fjords, the Arnafjordor Fjord is one of the most prolific centers of monster activity in Iceland. And if I butchered that, which I'm fairly certain I did because I don't speak Icelandic, please forgive me. The small town of Bidadalar is situated on the shores of this fjord, which makes it the perfect location for the Icelandic Sea Monster Museum and Coffee Shop. I love that it's also a coffee shop. It's only open for a few months of the year, however, in the summer from June through August. But as Visit West Fjords put it, the museum brings the monsters to life through a lively mix of words, images, and videos. Because there isn't just one kind of sea monster that's been reported in the area. The multimedia display allows visitors to meet them, so to speak, via eyewitness accounts and academic theories. While some sea monster sightings happen in specific locations, oceanic cultures worldwide share one lore in common, mermaids which you can learn more about at the International Mermaid Museum in Aberdeen, Washington. The museum's mission is to use mermaid mythology to teach ocean ecology from seashore to seafloor. As they put it, 
Mermaids in Storytelling encourage people to see the undersea environment, not just through the lens of marine life, but through the view of humans in the underwater world, thus helping them better understand the importance of clean oceans, the sea as a living environment, and the reality of ocean exploration as one of the last great adventures on Earth. During their week-long annual Mermaid Festival, they don't charge admission and also have special attractions, like Una the Mermaid in her one-of-a-kind traveling tank. Does Japanese legend and folklore have mermaids too? I'm not 100% certain, but I know where you could look for them to find the answer. The Miyoshi Mononoke Museum in Miyoshi, Japan. You'll discover yaokai monsters and yurei ghosts of all kinds in its over 5,000 item collection, including woodblock prints, paintings, scrolls, ceramics, and items from popular culture such as toys and manga. A couple of digital features makes the visit an interactive one too like a digital gallery where you can try to identify hundreds of yaokai and a digital role-playing game where you become a yaokai yourself and interact with others on a big screen. Okay, before we start exploring cryptid museums, let's pay a quick visit to the National Leprechaun Museum of Ireland in Dublin. Not that leprechauns are monsters per se, But they are the stuff of legend and lore, and this seemed the best episode to at least mention their museum, which isn't so much a museum as an adventure in Irish storytelling, or being told tales from Irish folklore, that is. Guides lead you through the museum, sharing stories along the way, which are more lighthearted during daytime visits, but turn darker during nighttime ones. You can also get a leprechaun's perspective and some fun photo ops with their oversized furniture. I'll bet you, though, that in addition to gold, as in their pots of, another color that comes to mind when you think of leprechauns is green. They're often portrayed dressed in the color, right? Well, in Sutton, West Virginia, you'll find a sign welcoming you to Flatwoods and the home of the Green Monster. Not that it's a leprechaun, though. But in nearby Braxton, you can learn all about what it is at the Flatwoods Monster Museum. And apparently my cat wants to go check that out. I could have included this museum in the UFO Museums episode, too, because the monster might be a being from outer space. Seven people spotted the creature on September 12, 1952, after a red light streaked through the sky and crashed on a nearby farm. According to an account of the incident on History.com, When they went to investigate, they saw a 10-foot Frankenstein-like monster in the hills above Flatwoods. So that's definitely not like a leprechaun, right? Way too tall. But because it had monster in its name, I decided to 
pay a visit to the museum in this episode. Speaking of Frankenstein, you can see portrayals of him and several of his monster buddies at the International Monster Museum in Salem, Massachusetts, where monsters are real, according to their slogan. Thankfully, the life-sized replicas of Frankie, a chupacabra, Mothman, zombies, and even a Demogorgon are not real, however. Out west, you'll find a museum with a similar theme at Tom Devlin's Monster Museum in Boulder City, Nevada. Except its mission is to preserve the art and history of special effects makeup. During his years as a professional special effects makeup artist, the man the museum is named for, Tom Devlin, amassed an impressive collection of movie memorabilia and recreated props, many that showcase his artistic talents. Another place that showcases similar work is Distortion's Monster World in Denver, Colorado. For over 50 years, Distortions Unlimited has made masks and monsters for movies and haunted attractions. Their interactive museum where art and monsters collide is filled with immersive cinematic environments featuring famous and infamous monsters from books, TV, and movies. Some growl, some breathe fire, and some even talk and you can pose for photos with all of them if you dare. The Long Island Monster Gallery in Mineola, New York, is another monster museum similar to both Tom Devlin's and Distortion's Monster World. It's Long Island's first immersive gallery dedicated to horror and Halloween movies, and also features elaborate props and life-sized figures. But it's not always open. The best way to know when they are is to follow them on social media, Facebook and Instagram, or to visit their website where they post their schedule. All right, let's close out this episode by exploring a couple of cryptid museums. The world's only cryptozoology museum with a physical location is the International Cryptozoology Museum in Portland, Maine. It was founded in 2003 by cryptozoologist Lauren Coleman and contains, as stated on its website, a wide range of exhibitions from rare, one-of-a-kind scientific zoological specimens to popular cultural homages to the relevant anthropological and psychological acknowledgments of the sightings and folk traditions to be found within hominology and cryptozoology. However, while it is the world's only cryptozoology museum, there is one more, sort of. And it's our last stop on this episode. The Maryland Cryptid Museum is an online-only museum that's named after Thomas Maryland, a fictional crypto-naturalist, fringe zoologist, and xeno-archaeologist. Artist Alex C.F. describes the alternative history installation project as an exercise in a passion for turn-of-the-century scientific discovery, science fiction, 
fantasy, and horror, presented as though it were real, as an immersive experience for the viewer. There are all sorts of interesting specimens to examine, too, like a preserved infant lycanthrope or a Nosferatu. But there are also what I call kits, such as a wraith hunting kit and a vampire anatomical research case. It's a clever exhibit, one I'm glad that it is at least online to enjoy, but it's one I'd also pay to see. Speaking of enjoying things, I hope you've enjoyed this tour of monster museums around the world during this episode of Macabre Museums here on the Haunt Johns podcast. Again, my name is Courtney Maroc, and it's been my pleasure to be your host and guide for this episode. But speaking of the season, we're coming to a a rapid close here. There's only two episodes left. Next up, we're going to do time in true crime museums. Handcuffs optional. I hope you'll join me then. Until our paths cross again, however, ciao for now. Thank you.